Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes Podcast with Delane ND, the podcast for people looking to correct chronic illnesses such as diabetes through lifestyle change. I'm Dr. Delane Vaughn. As a physician, I see many patients who are ill because of lifestyle decisions such as food choices. Typically, diseases such as diabetes are managed with pills or injections. This approach creates a vicious, expensive, and unhealthy cycle of medication and then more medication to address the negative side effects. As a physician and a life coach, I work with clients to resolve their diseases, get off their medications, and live a naturally healthy life. If you don't like the healthcare system in America, I recommend you use less of it by being naturally healthy. So if you feel there has to be a better, more natural way to live a healthy life, you are in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. You are listening to the Reversing Diabetes with Delane MD episode number 155, I think. So today's episode has taken a little turn. I got an email and I thought, what a great topic for our podcast and clearly timely and necessary because I'm getting an email from a listener asking about this. So before I jump into that, I want to let everybody know if you're listening July 18th of 2022, there will be a new five day session for women with type 2 diabetes or anything on the hyperinsulinemic, so too much insulin in your system spectrum. So if that is something you're interested in, this podcast will be coming out on July 18th. So if you want to do it, send me a message, send it to me pronto. I will get you caught up. We'll get you into that program and you'll get five days. It's a free session. You'll learn the basics that I teach women to reverse their type 2 diabetes and you can get started on that. Also, before we get started, my I record the podcast in a walk-in closet that's had, you know, sound panels and stuff put up so that hopefully the sound is better. My dogs are in here. I don't know why they feel like they need to be right here under me, but literally there is me and a desk and a computer and two <laughs> 80-pound animals in here with me. So if you hear funny breathing or whimpering. I don't know. They're not really upset or whimpering. They just want to be with me. If you hear funny noises, it's my dogs. There are two of them in here podcasting with me. So this weekend, I received an email from a listener asking a question, and this has brought up two things that I wanted to talk about. One, if you are listening and you have questions about this material, I am not kidding. Send me an email, delane at delanemd.com. I will answer. I will personally answer and you will get an email back and I will answer the question as best I can. Two, it gives me great information about what I'm not covering that's helpful for folks. Please understand that this is my passion in life. This is what I wanna help everybody do. I want everybody to know the thing that medicine is not telling you, that your physicians aren't telling you, that your medical providers aren't telling you. You don't have to be sick. The human body wants to be well and if you're hearing that message and have questions about how to make that happen, please let me know because it's truly my life's mission to make sure people hear this message. It also fuels my fire to know that people hear what I'm saying in this podcast and hear the strategies and the tools and the science behind all of this and that it inspires them or it moves them or at least gives them some forward momentum to living a naturally healthy life. It really, really does. It inspires me when people reach out to me and say, hey, I heard this and I'm trying it. I have these questions and I really want to do this. It's the most amazing thing. It floats my boat, folks. Please, please send me these messages. I love hearing them. I hear from gentlemen all the time. They're like, I know you only work with women, but I want you to know that you're helping me too. 
guys, it really does. It I cannot express my gratitude for this. So um, I thought I would put this out here, this question out here into the podcast because I'm sure other people have this. So again, one, if you have any questions, send them to me. I'm not kidding. Delane at DelaneMD.com. I will answer them. And it also gives me information for what I can put out on the podcast to be helpful for everybody. But two, it really means a lot to hear from the listeners that people are getting benefit from this, that this is helping people. So let's go. The question was about processed meat. The question... Um, this woman and her husband, both type 2 diabetic, working on diet. They understand how insulin resistance works. They want to lower their blood sugars. They're seeing some uh, results, but they know they still have work to do. Question was, they've been consuming a lot of pepperoni, meat sticks, mozzarella, sausage, bacon, eggs, those kinds of things at breakfast. Um, they asked about my podcast that in, you know, they know they understand there's some issues with processed foods. We understand that they're low carb, but they may not be the best choice. They've been doing intermittent fasting. Do we have, do I have a food list that I recommend? And then they also ask what else I should, they should be concerned about. So as far as processed meat, she's spot on. Processed meats definitely are correlated with colon cancer. And I'm sure a lot of other things, but colon cancer kind of takes the, the limelight from processed meats. So, um, and process, so let me define what processed meats are and then this uh, correlation with colon cancer. Processed meats are any meat that is not like cut off the animal and cooked. I mean, I guess when we think about it, processing meat includes cooking meat, right? Like that's a form of processing. But what we're talking about that's correlated with colon cancer are sausages. I mean, like breakfast sausage and then like summer sausage. And it's links of breakfast sausage or patties of breakfast sausage. It's salamis. It's lunch meats. And I mean all the lunch meat. Smoked chicken breast counts, right? Like that's a processed meat. Ham, certainly a processed meat. Bacon, yes, a processed meat. All of these things, these um, meat sticks, I think Slim Jim is the name. Those, like the brand name, but there's a hundred other ones, right? Those are processed meats. Beef jerky can be pretty clean, but can also have a bunch of these chemicals in them that cause that these chemicals are what is correlated with these colon cancer risks. So processed meats are not great. But what I want to offer you is they're not what's causing your type 2 diabetes. They just put you at a higher risk for diseases down the line. You don't want to make that your primary source of food. So my recommendation is usually limiting that to one to two times a week. And then again, you know, figuring out what else you can eat. That's this question right here. Like, what else do I eat? I would offer that cheeses are not usually as, they're not correlated to colon cancer the way that like processed meats are. So don't stress so much about that. They do have their own issues, right? You know, the question was, what else should we watch for? So being very critiquing of all of your foods, right? Recognize that when we eat meat that is raised on foods that are not natural to the meat, that puts our meat, the food that we eat, then becomes diseased and we eat diseased food and it creates, creates disease in the human being, okay? So I know that that's hard sometimes for people to understand that chain of events. The way that we feed our cattle in America, if you're getting them from a factory farm, we feed cattle grain. We feed them corn and soybean primarily. Recognize that cattle, when raised in its natural habitat, 
feeds on grass only. That is the primary source of food for a cow, right? Like they eat grass. When we alter that food source to grain, it then changes the way that the cow, the cattle, the animal makes the fat in their body. And it actually alters the omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. Omega-6 is inflammatory, omega-3 is not. When they're kept in a one-to-one ratio, they're fine. However, when we feed our animals grain instead of grass, it alters this omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, increasing the amount of omega-6 that the animal makes, and that makes their fat then more inflammatory. That's where we get into trouble with meat, right? Everybody's like, red meat's a problem. Well, red meat that's fed grain is a problem. Red meat that's fed grass is not. It keeps that omega-6 to omega-3 ratio in check. So the same is true for the dairy made from cows that are raised on grain versus grass. Any saturated fat that is, you know, made into their milk will have a higher omega-6 to omega-3 ratio if they've been raised on grain versus grasses. So again, you have to have a critiquing eye on your food, on the foods that you're consuming. Recognize that like grass-fed beef is really expensive. I totally understand that. I feel like if you're going to eat meat, you're going to recognize you're fueling every cell in your body with the food that you put into your mouth. If you want your body to be healthy, you're going to have to give it healthy fuel. That's just how it works. So maybe like you do buy the expensive meat, but maybe you cut back on how frequently you're eating meat or maybe some of it's chicken and not beef or maybe there's salmon and you know, whatever's on sale, whatever works, but do recognize there is definite benefit to buying meat that is raised on the food that is natural. So everybody's heard me say this. I feel like I say this a lot and everybody's always shocked when I say it, but the common sense, how frankly obvious it is, I think is what's so shocking about it. So recognize that we feed, you know, grain is commoditized by our government, by the FDA, I believe is the one that, um, gives incentive to farmers to raise soybean and corn in these grains. So we have an oversurplus of these grains, and that's why we decide to put it in everything. We put corn in everything. Literally, we put corn in our gas, right? They make ethanol from corn, and they put it in our gasoline that we put in our cars. We put corn in everything because we make so much of it. We produce so much of it as a country. And that's part of why we feed it to our animals. So we feed it to all the animals. We feed it to pigs. We feed it to cows. We feed it to chickens. For the love of all that's holy, we feed it to salmon. There is no alternate universe where the salmon naturally come into contact with corn in their natural environment, right? This is not natural food to salmon, but we feed all of our food, these grains, because we have so much of it. And they're not, for the most part, chicken and pigs like swine do naturally eat most things. They, they're omnivorous, but they don't only eat corn and grains. They eat all sorts of things. When we change their food and make it only grain, we change the way that they make the fat, these omega-6 to omega-3s. 
And that makes their fat then dangerous and disease-causing for us as humans when we consume it. Same thing with fish. Same thing with salmon. If you think you're going to get salmon because it's the healthier choice and you're buying salmon, but it is not wild-caught, it is farm-raised, chances are very high that they are feeding that salmon corn. It alters their omega-6 to omega-3 ratio, and suddenly they're not this health food gem that you thought it was. So again, we have to be very critiquing of the food that we put in our body. How is this food raised? Is it raised in alignment with the biology of the animal and nature and the laws that nature lays down for us? That's really the question at hand. So that's a very long answer to this question about meat sticks and cheese. Yes, they are correlated meat processed meat is correlated with cancer and cheeses can be a problem if there is too if you're eating too much cheese made from cows that are fed grain yep that can be an issue but it's unlikely the issue that's causing your type 2 diabetes so that's what i want you to hear it should be limited we should try to consume as little as possible so the next question that was in this email was, do I have a food list? And I think that this is really a great question because it points out one of the things that is really unique about what I do with my clients versus what most other commercially available weight loss or diabetes remedy programs will promote or give. I never give any of my clients, anybody who hires me does not get a food list from me. And it's very, very sweet because clients have hired me and been like, oh, when do I get the food list? And I'm like, oh, there is no food list. What I do with clients is I sit down with them and I ask them, okay, what is the food that you like? What are we talking about? What is it that you want to eat? Let's talk about that. And then we talk about the science of that food. The biology of that food, what that food, what happens in our body when we consume those foods. So a great example of this is health food bars. I don't care whether they're Cliff bars, whether they're granola bars, whether they're slim this or fair that, or I'm trying to think of a kind bars. That's the other one. All of these bars. So what I want to offer you, the primary philosophy, everybody knows the primary philosophy that I gauge what is right to be eaten or not eaten is whether this food comes from the earth. In my mind's eye, can I see where this food was harvested on the earth and then brought to my plate? If the answer is yes, that food's probably fine. So what does that mean? That means an apple. I, in my mind's eye, can see where an apple comes from the tree, gets washed in the kitchen sink, and comes into my mouth. I can see a salad. I can see where the head of lettuce comes from. I can see where the red peppers and the bell peppers are picked. I know what a cucumber looks like coming from the ground. I know what carrots look like coming from the ground. I know what celery looks like coming from the earth. In my mind's eye, I can picture where all of these things are coming from. Nuts are a great example, right? I know where peanuts come from, although I don't eat a lot of peanuts because there's a lot of mold associated. If you look at the production of peanuts, there's a lot of mold associated with that, and I feel like I get inflamed pretty easily, so I don't want to bring any of that. I don't want to welcome any more of that in my life than I need. But almonds, I'll tell you, like I can't really envision an almond. I will, I, I will wholly admit this to you. I cannot really envision an almond, but I know it's natural. Now, is it roasted? Is it salted? Is it oiled? That's less natural. But if I'm eating a raw almond, I know that's coming from the earth. Things that you don't know. You don't know where a Slim Jim's coming from. Like, I can't envision that. I don't want to envision that, to be real honest. Bread is another thing. Pop-Tarts, Twinkies, 
Kind Bars, Natural Nature Valley Granola Bars, all of these. There's a lot of steps between where that food is harvested on the earth and when it ends up on my plate to eat. There are a lot of steps between those two places. That's what you want to avoid. The more steps between the earth and your mouth you want to avoid. You want to limit those steps as much as possible. So that is the basic philosophy that I teach people. Even chicken, right? Like people be like, well, we don't pick chicken from the ground. We don't. But you can pluck up a chicken off of the ground. You can point out on that chicken where a thigh comes from, where a breast comes from, where a wing comes from, where the drumstick comes from. You can point out all of that on the chicken that you plucked from the ground. But what I want to offer you is you are never going to point out where a chicken finger comes from because that is not natural food. Chickens don't have fingers. That is processed food. Okay? So using that philosophy and applying it to the food that you eat to get yourself a good concept of what food is okay and what food is not. Now, there's always going to be caveats. Cheese, dairy is a great caveat. You know, I believe I like love. <laughs> I don't even say that I love cottage cheese. I love what cottage cheese does for me. I love how cottage cheese shows up in my world. Cottage cheese is great with berries and it's a sweet treat and it's wonderful with, I mix it with like um, diced up bell pepper and sunflower seeds. I like the crunch, I like the bell pepper, I like the zing of it, it's awesome. And here's the best, here's why I love, why my heart, my heart goes with cottage cheese because I've never lost my marbles and cleared a tub of cottage cheese. It's never been this super craving, urgy thing that I have to fight and navigate and manage. It's um, That's all thought work, by the way. And I know that it's thought work, but cottage cheese has never been that for me. Cottage cheese makes me feel full. It makes me feel light. It makes me feel strong. And I never fear that I'm going to lose my shit and eat a whole tub of it. So... I love cottage cheese, and clearly we're not plucking, plucking cottage cheese from the garden out back. Cottage cheese is one of those caveats. Dairy is one of those caveats. It has high protein, it has high fat, and it is not causing your diabetes. Period. End of sentence. What I will offer you is with all dairy, especially cheeses, this happens more with our hard cheeses, definitely more with our soft cheeses, cottage cheese this happens with, and I would offer that milk this happens with. When our body processes cheeses or dairy, it creates a protein called casomorphin. That casomorphin binds the neurochemical receptors in our brain that releases dopamine, so we love it. So if you're having a hard time breaking up with cheese or you're having a hard time cutting it out of your diet or you find that you're overeating it, it is likely this, this neurochemical. So that dopamine, that's a addictive neurochemical pathway that happens in our brain. It's a neurochemical cir circuit that happens in our brain and it's addictive and it's known to be addictive. It's the same neurochemistry. It's the same pathway. It's the same circuit that heroin and heroin derivatives utilize that get people addicted to narcotics and alcohol and cocaine and M&Ms and Dr. Peppers and bread and wheat thins and cheese. Cheese uses the same neurochemistry because we make this casomorphin. 
it's not a problem, but make sure you're aware of it. If you're eating cheese and having a hard time getting it out of your diet, it's maybe the reason like you're overeating and your scale won't come down, you're wanting to see some weight loss and you can't get there and you're like, oh, I can't stop overeating that cheese. Ding, 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 ding. That's because it's triggering that addictive neurochemistry. That's not what keeps the weight on, but your inability to not overeat it is caused by this neurochemistry. So being aware of that is great. Being aware of how the animal that makes the cheese products or the dairy products that you're eating is raised, what is it fed? Because again, it goes back to this omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. If the animal that you are eating food from has been fed grain, then recognize its omega-6 to omega-3 ratio is going to be out of whack and the saturated fats that you consume in that food may be inflammatory to your heart and lead to heart disease. So you need to be aware of that. Okay, so these are the, the sciencey things that we discuss, right? You guys know chocolate cake's a problem. You know M&M's a problem. You know these things cause high insulin levels in your system that lead to the insulin resistance that has caused your high blood sugars that your doctor has diagnosed as type 2 diabetes. You guys know this because if you've listened to any of the podcasts, you know this. If it's your first podcast you're listening to of mine, welcome. I'm glad to have you. Go back and listen to some of the others about insulin resistance because that's the cause of your type 2 diabetes, not the sugar. What people don't understand is that Kind Bars and Nature Valley Granola Bars and Cliff Bars are all high carb also, even when they say they're high protein, even when they say they're not high carb. I want to offer you a few pieces of information, the science behind this food, right? Nature Valley Granola Bar is high carb. They don't even try to fake it. And if you look at the ingredient list, sugar or high fructose corn syrup or some combination of sugars are listed multiple times on there because that's really primarily what it is, okay? If we're talking about Kind Bars, same thing. But if we're talking about things like um, Cliff Bars or these ones that are like we're low-carb, high-protein, they may be high-protein. That protein is processed protein. It's not real food. It's made in a lab by food chemists, and it's not really natural to the human body. So be aware of that. But then I also want to offer you to make that chemistry experiment taste good, they have to put a sweetener in it. To keep it low carb, they put a artificial sweetener in it. Recognize for most humans, for many humans, I don't know that I'd say most, but I would offer that for humans that are type 2 diabetic, this is probably the case. When your tongue tastes something sweet, that tongue, your taste bud has a nerve connected to it. That nerve connects to the brain and the, tells the brain, hey, we're getting some carbohydrates here. The only time that the human tongue in nature comes into contact with sweetness is when we're getting something with high carbs. Fruit, bananas, apples, honey, agave, molasses from a tree, that is all, that's the only time in nature that we get sweetness and it's associated, it's always with high carb counts. So your brain gets a message from the taste bud, hey, we're getting something sweet, we must be about to get some carbs. And your brain says, oh yeah, I'll get on that. And it sends a message down to the pancreas and it says, pancreas, you better start spitting out some insulin because we're getting some carbohydrates. The tongue just told me we got some sweetness up in there. So even though it's low carb in an artificial sweetener, your pancreas will likely start spitting out insulin. And remember, insulin is the problem. High insulin creates insulin resistance, and then our cells can't 
manage glucose appropriately. That allows our glucose to climb high. That's diabetes. The insulin's the issue. So if you're getting these low-carb bars that have high protein, they have to put something in that to make it tasty, and it's almost always an artificial sweetener. So being aware of that. Okay, this is why it's just easy. Like, can I find that food in the earth somewhere? If the answer is no, if you cannot find a cliff bar tree somewhere where you can pluck a cliff bar off of, you probably need to stay away from that food for the most part. Not never ever, but this should not be a main staple of your diet. Okay, that is how I help people design their food lists. What do you like? What is the biology of what happens to this food, to your body when you eat this food? Like, how does your body process it? Is that what you want? Do you want your body to spit out a bunch of insulin? If the answer is no, then that probably shouldn't be on your food list. Simple rule of thumb is if you can find it in the earth somewhere, it's probably okay. If you cannot, you probably need to steer clear of it. That is the way I help people develop food lists. So I hope this has been helpful. Again, please send me your messages. Please send me your emails. I love to hear from folks that are getting help from this podcast. I put this podcast out because it is truly my passion for everybody to hear. They do not need to be sick. You can be healthy, and this is the way to do it. If you need coaching, if you want, if you're a woman with type 2 diabetes and you want to reverse that, and you know all this science, but you're like, I can't seem to figure out how to make the decisions that I need to make, I'm your lady. My program is here for you. There is help. Send me a message, Delane at Delane MD. I'm happy to get you in for a consult. You can find out how my program will help you. We'll get you registered for the program and get you started on that path. I hope this was helpful. Let me know if you have any questions. I will be back next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Also, leave me a review. If you want to resolve your diabetes naturally without any pills or injections, I can help you. Visit DelaneMD.com for more information. Click on the Work With Me tab, send me a message, and we can set up a mini coaching session. You guys have a great week. I'll talk to you soon.